about what's going on inside Washington, D.C., what regulators and lawmakers are thinking and working on, and what you and your credit union should be evaluating in terms of risk areas and areas of opportunity. I'm your host, Ann Petros, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs at NAFQ, and today I am joined by Charlotte Nemec, who is President and CEO of Canopy Credit Union. Charlotte has led the credit union since 2018 and held various roles since she first started in 1995. Charlotte is also the winner of NAFQ's CEO of the Year Award. Congratulations, Charlotte, and thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Anne. I'm so honored to be here and so honored to have received that award. That has been um, a highlight of my career for sure. That's wonderful. It's a huge accomplishment. So congratulations again. So can you start by just you know telling the audience a little bit about your credit union, um, which is based in, in Spokane, Washington? Um, tell us about the community that you serve and why it's so important um, to, to serve the members in your community. Yeah, and I'm I'm very proud of our credit union, as you might imagine. Um, we actually were established in 1956, originally to serve federal employees, um, and we slowly grew that field of membership through a couple mergers. Um, so mainly stuck with the county, federal, state, so government workers um, in our county region, um, and and that was our geez, just at the base of everything we did up until 2018. So um, we had realized that our growth had really stagnated. Um, we were still growing incrementally in loans um, until we weren't. Um, we, but we really hadn't grown in membership in many, many years. Um, as you mentioned, I started in 1995. And from the time I started to the time that I took the CEO role, we had never had more than just a few hundred net gain in membership in any given year. And so from 1995, remember when I started, we had over, yeah, I think we were close to 14,000 members. And by the time I took the helm, we were down to 12,200 uh, approximately. Um, and, and it just, it, we realized we, in order for us to continue to be um, a relevant uh, institution, we had to do a lot of shifting. And that's part of the reason that I was so excited to take the helm. I saw the good bones of the credit union from the time I, I started. I, I love it. We have a great culture. Um, we have a great community that we serve. Um, Spokane is relatively small um, in comparison to some of the larger cities. So the county itself is about 500,000 people. It's grown since COVID. But, um, you know, it, for some reason, it attracts a lot of credit unions. Um, I always joke around that there's um, eight uh, multi-billion dollar credit unions doing business here in Spokane. And those are just the ones that have branch locations. That's not counting the indirect people that are still in in, in and around the area too. Right. So it's wow. so a really, com yeah, really competitive market. Our, um, our community has a lot to choose from. You know, they have choice and that's awesome. Um, so we really um, opted to carve out our niche um, and 
guide ourselves to a place where we feel like we can really stand out from a crowded market and help our community at the same time. Lots of folks that struggle um, in our community that are um, what we like to say, instead of underserved, we like to say underestimated. Um, so we, we really enjoy the opportunity to help those folks um, that really are struggling financially, either because they had bad credit in the past, made some mistakes in life, or maybe had no credit at all, or maybe they're in foster care and they're working a full-time job and their foster parent is not allowing them to uh, have their own bank account without them accessing their funds. We've had that experience. So we've created some products and services around that um, group. So we've just really tried to focus in on that area of our community that really needs the guidance and support. Um, so not perfect credit. Um, and we ended up then also when we did that, that when I became CEO, we also expanded our field of membership, three counties instead of just one. Um, as uh, NAFU is well aware, the uh, getting the uh, NCUA to approve a federally chartered credit union to serve more than just a small group um, it can be challenging. So they did grant us three counties instead of the five we wanted, but um, we got that and applied for a CDFI in 2018 as well. And we're awarded the designation of Community Development Financial Institution. And so we changed our name from Spokane Federal Credit Union to Canopy Credit Union. And we've just been pushing forward from there. That CDFI designation is definitely helpful and, um, you know, highlighting the work that you're already doing for your community. Um, what are some other, you know, examples? You mentioned one, you know, uh, product and, and service that you're offering uh, these underestimated communities. But what are what are some other examples of the work that you do to serve these communities? You know, I think the most important part of what we do is the financial education that we provide. Um I think our vision and mission sometimes can attract team members that really have great hearts. They, they want to do, they really love what we stand for. Um, our vision statement is to create a happier and healthier community through financial inclusion. And people resonate with that and they want to work for us. And we love that. But sometimes it's hard to say no. Sometimes your heart is so invested in a member's story that it's hard to say this is not a good thing for you to take out a loan. Mm -hmm. So here's what we can do instead. It's a no end. Um, so what comes in part of that is the financial education. So there's, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one financial education, but we also, we teach financial education courses in four different languages um, to all sorts of communities, uh, really, you know, any immigrant community that's come in that um, needs assistance, just, understanding the banking system of the United States. Um, I was in a, sat through a class with a group of women that are here from the Middle East mm -hmm. and um, th their understanding, they don't, they don't have bank accounts like, and especially women, like we do here in the United States. Right. They borrow money from each other. They don't borrow it from an institution. So there's just this opportunity to help people integrate into our, our systems and understand it so they don't get themselves in trouble. Um, one woman said she was at Macy's the first year she was here and got a Macy's card and didn't understand anything about what that meant mm -hmm. and got herself 
people, you know, so those are the kinds of things we really pride ourselves on, um, reaching out into the community, do group classes, we do one-on-ones and just helping people build that financial muscle that so many people don't have the opportunity to have either because we as parents don't teach it well enough. Our school systems don't teach it well enough. So it's really exciting to see that progress when people do come in, maybe they don't have credit, they build that credit and they're able to then build a nest egg enough to, we have one of our most infamous woman, women that come, came in many years ago that she really said, I have nothing. I want to own a home someday. And so we set her on a path and by George, um, right before COVID actually lucky for her, she was able to get it home. So um, just yeah, those are the kinds of stories that keep, keep you moving forward and saying, yes, we're doing the right thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, financial literacy can be challenging even for those who are born here in the States and, you know, their families yes. have been here for generations because as you pointed out, it's not something that is stressed in a lot of school systems. And so, you know, some people are left to their own devices to kind of navigate the financial services industry and all of the products out there. Yes. And that is yes. tough. So um, it's just that much more difficult for immigrants or people who, you know, are, are not um, native to this, this country. Yeah. And, and it's, I think the thing that I, that my fear with people that don't understand money, maybe it's just because in family systems, a lot of times we just don't talk about that. So let alone the school systems is that then they get caught up in, you know, those predatory lenders and right. it, it really causes pain and hardship for them. And sometimes it's easy to look at, well, they should have known better, but how do they know better? And so that's really, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really easy to get caught in a cycle for people too. So trying to find a way to help them through that is, um, gives us the, the heart, um, to go forward. So. So I can imagine this is part of what inspired you to start working at the credit union um, and you know seek an executive leadership role. Is there anything else that that inspired you to head down this path? And it's so funny. I um I actually this is, might be a little embarrassing, but it might resonate with people. So when I was I, so I started uh, 25 years old, and um I had just gotten married. And- And I just, my focus was how do I be the best wife and become a mom? And I was very much um, geared towards that and wanted to do that. And um, so I was actually looking for a position where I could have a family and a career at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when I found the credit unions, the mission that resonated with me strongly, but then um, I actually really had an interesting role when I first started. I worked for four different credit unions at the same time. Wow. How did you manage that? (laughs) Yeah. So I did HR for four credit unions Mm -hmm. and um, one of them paid my my salary and they were the largest of the four. And then the other three smaller credit unions um, just reimbursed for my salary. And I spent, you know, two days at the larger one and then a day a piece at the others. And then I had an in-office day where I would work on policy manuals and those kinds of things. So it was just a, a, a amazing opportunity for me to see the culture of four different organizations. And I actually landed at Spokane Federal because of the 
the way that family was really emphasized um, in in that particular credit union. And so um, it, it just, it was a match made in heaven for me. I just, I was so fortunate and owe so much to those four very innovative CEOs who put their egos aside and decided to share an HR person. I mean, you just don't see that. Right. Yeah, that that is definitely unusual and really um such a special and unique opportunity, like you said. Um, so I can understand why, you know, you felt committed to the credit union industry after that experience. For sure. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about women in leadership. Um, the credit union industry has on average more female CEOs than banks. And, you know, NAFQ has found that there are 10 times as many female CEOs in credit unions than in banks. What have been some of the challenges that you've faced as a female in the traditionally, you know, male dominated financial services industry? Yeah. Um, gosh, Dan, it's such a great question. And I think that the clarification that I'd love to have for the the audience maybe is really that understanding that yes, there are a lot of female CEOs in credit union land, but most of those women are coming from credit unions under 500 million in assets, Mm -hmm. including myself, you know, at 235 million, you know, we, we, we like to refer to ourselves as these awkward teenagers, you know, that we're (laughs) at that, like, um, don't quite have our, our uh, grown into our bodies yet. We, you know, my ears are too big for my head kind of thing. And, and that's kind of the place we are. And, and, but we remember what it was like to be more the, we're trying to keep up um, in, in the industry um, at a hundred million at below a hundred million. Um, and I think as a female CEO in those, especially in those smaller credit unions, and I'm sure the largers have this experience as well is having your voice heard, we have to lean in a little bit harder. We have to lean in a little bit, ask a little bit louder, repeat ourselves and, and to get heard about the challenges that we're faced with. Um, and, and, you know, I know, Anne, this is probably not just in the credit union industry as a, a female leader. Um, even my executive coach that I, I've been using for some time struggles, it's a man, and he struggles to understand my challenges um, as far as um, industry-wide and in the the bigger world um, that sometimes we're just, we're not heard, we're looked at as um, not sure how you got to where you are, but you know, pat, pat, pat on the head, you just, you know, sit there and, and we'll ask you questions if we think you have something to say. Mm -hmm. And so I think being bold and being able to have that voice has, it's challenging because we're not, especially my generation, Anne, we were told you be nice, you comply and you go along to get along. Mm -hmm. And that does not serve well when you're trying to grow your whatever it may be, your industry that you're in, grow in your own career. And um, I've had some accusations of being too pushy. I was, yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, in in being bold, do you feel like you've gotten some pushback as, as being, you know, arrogant or, or too vocal and, you know, primarily because you're a woman and, and, and trying to just have your voice heard, but it kind of backfires. 
It does. It does. And, and I know um, I, I have relatively broad shoulders. Um, I have been told um, that sometimes I come across as too passionate. I'm very passionate about what our credit union does. Mm-hmm. And at times I can do things like bat my hand against the counter or what have you, the desk, the, the conference table. And it, it, it takes like a man doing that. Nobody really blinks an eye. And, mm-hmm. and, and I have, I've called out some male uh, executives in my time where I've said, I, I'd be interested to know if you would have said that to a man. And it, you know, I just, I'm not going to shy away from the passion that I feel for our industry and doing the things that I think are making a difference in our community. And so sometimes that can be very challenging. Um, and, and I think that there's, society is getting better. I think women in particular were raising girls to be less that compliant, um, kind of sit back, don't say much, you know, be seen, not heard, those kinds of things. So I think we're going to make progress. Um, but these women that run these credit unions that are under 500 million, um, such huge respect for these women. I, I belong to a group called CULA, the Credit Union Women's Leadership Alliance. And I'm telling you, Anne, these women, I, I don't even like, I look at what they do in some of these smaller shops than even mine, and I'm blown away. Like, how do you do all of what you do right. and, and like, don't, like, can survive? Because, yeah. I mean, how, when do you sleep? Um, exactly. So I, I'm really, I'm in awe. I'm in mm-hmm. complete awe of their knowledge, too. I mean, it's not just that they're great leaders. They're also you know, doing the 50, doing the call report at the same time that they are tracking loans at the same time that they're out in the community. It's like, what, what happens here? So wearing so many different hats. Mm -hmm. Yes. So many different hats. And that's one of the things I love about my job too, is that I get to get kind of with a smaller institution. I know our 63 employees, I know their lives. I, and, and I think that does listen is such a skill that I think more women have than, and I think men are trying to get better at that, but I don't talk over people. I don't, I, I just want to hear what their story is and our employees love that. And I think that's part of the reason that, you know, that the nomination process for the, the award, it's about how am I impacting their lives who then impact our members' lives? You know, it just, it feels like it's that perfect circle. Yes. So. And, you know, what do you think makes women particularly strong leaders? Yeah, I will go back to listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they're they not about the, the competition as much as they are about the inclusion of others in coming forward and, and building um, their industry, building their uh, institution. Um I feel such camaraderie with everybody. I mean, men and women, I will tell you, I mean, it's not just the women, but I feel such camaraderie and in awe of other CEOs that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, There's several female CEOs um, here in Spokane that I I just like, wow. Um, And and Carla uh, at New America Credit Union is, you know, much larger credit union. She's multi-billion dollar credit union. And I watch what she's done with that credit union. And, you know, that gives me inspiration. And, and that's, that's wonderful. And I think what we, we look at 
from a leadership perspective is um, we find it most of the time okay to lead with heart and and to really hear and listen to people and, and provide them with purpose because I think that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose that we are accomplishing? You're not just here to do a loan. You're not just here to open an account. You're not just here to balance the close of business every day. You're here because there's a greater good that we're trying to accomplish in our community. And I think that just resonates and it feels good for people. And I think women tend to focus on that kind of stuff a little bit more. Um, Again, I think men are coming along. I have lots of amazing men in my life that uh, male CEOs that I really admire and look up to as well. Um, I just think we take more time to listen to what's going on um, around us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's the, that's, that's my experience. Sure. Sure. No, I, 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 that resonates with me. Definitely. I think, you know, there's a level of empathy that, you know, you see in a lot of female leaders and, um, naturally, right. Women are, are nurturing. And so the desire to, to hear from others and help others and collaborate, um, is just instinctual. Yeah. And isn't it a double-edged sword? Mm -hmm. Because, want to do that. And so we're perceived that that's the way we should be so that when we're strong and assertive, it's like, Oh, whoa, whoa, that wasn't what I was expecting from a female leader. Right. right? So there, that is, it's a yin and a yang for us Mm -hmm. that, um, I, I, I've actually not seen the Barbie movie, but I've seen the quote, um, America, I can't remember. She at, has a quote in the movie about not being too much of this or too little of that and and how that that really does play out in real life of mm-hmm. um, the struggle of the push and the pull so absolutely because if you're too nurturing right or too caring that can be seen as a weakness so it's yeah, yeah. hard to hard to win in this environment you got to find the balance and yep. you know i think that's also comes back to who you surround yourself with you know, and that's what I say about, you know, my team is I've surrounded myself with people that we can have honest conversations when I have a male executive who says something to me that isn't productive, A, and B, is a little sexist. Mm-hmm. And I can say that landed wrong with me. I think you should learn that in, in the course of us having our professional relationship, this is this is why it landed wrong. And, and we can have those honest conversations. And I just really appreciate that when we can do that with each other. Yeah, that's great. I, I know for a fact that a lot of, you know, people, a lot of women, um, in my life that even, even leaders often don't feel comfortable having those awkward conversations, but there's definitely value to that, right? You can move forward. You can move past that moment and say, I want to continue to have this relationship. And, and this is how I operate, how I operate and the expectations that, that I have. And, you know, can we, can we work this out? Oftentimes the answer is yes. Right. Yeah. And it creates trust. It builds trust and respect for each other. And and that's, Mm -hmm. I do believe that's where my team really excels in that, um, we can have those uh, uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes don't feel great at the moment, but in the end, it's the best thing for everybody. Yes. Well, I'm learning so much already. I certainly need to be <laughs> better in that respect too, but it, it is tough. Um, you know, you mentioned 
who you surround yourself with and how important that is. You know, are there some mentors and, and role models that have helped guide you through your journey in leadership and, you know, as you ascended to CEO? Oh, gosh. Oh. And then that's one of the reasons when having this award, it just, it feels like, oh my gosh, there's so many people that I stand on the shoulders of who have helped me. Um, and, and, you know, Susan Blaine, who was the previous CEO before um, me, she mentored me, guided me and allowed me to be me. You know, she didn't want me to be the cookie cutter of her. She actually appreciated and valued that I was different and that I would be leading differently than she would. And I think she saw value in that. So I give her a ton of credit. Um, I've got a couple of coworkers um, that I, I started working when when we were hired to do, when I was hired to do the, the four credit unions. They also hired a trainer at the same time. Um, to do the exact same thing. So I did HR and she did training Mm -hmm. and she has been my my stalwart um, go-to. I'm pulling my hair out. How do I deal with this? And she's amazing. Um, She continued on the credit industry and just retired a few years ago. Um, Very young, she retired. Um, And then uh, I had um, my marketing director who helped guide us through the name change. Um, became, she left, um, her husband was transferred to a different job and she left our area, but she and I still are in close communication and have become super tight friends. And she is, she's the one that said, I need to lean into the award and, and really absorb the goodness, um, that is coming my way. And so I love that. Um, my husband and daughter, I mean, and I just can't, you know, we only have one child, but, um, and she's a grown, she's a grown woman now, but I, I look back on my career and, and think about to do this kind of work, you have to educate yourself and to educate yourself. Oftentimes you're away from home a lot, right? You know, you, you take those trips. So to think of the amount of time my, my daughter was willing to, to sacrifice, my husband was willing to step in and, and be that support system for her when I was away, you know, all of that, those, those two deserve probably the most credit. And my husband's still today. Um, I bounce so much off of him just to, you know, here's how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. And he's, he's just turned into this amazing listener. He probably knows way more about the credit union industry than he ever wanted to. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And then, of course, I've had an executive coach um, who um, Kevin has been really um a super great sounding board. I didn't, I didn't get an executive coach until I became the CEO. And if I had to go back and tell anybody, get one sooner, if you can, you know, that it really is helpful or even just a life coach doesn't matter executive or life coach. I think mm-hmm. as long as they're certified and they have some of the, the uh, um, qualifications to do it, um, it, both really instrumental. And then Steve Dahlstrom, used to work at and uh, was the CEO of STCU here locally um, when I first began my career. And he, um, he's, he was an inspiration to me because of how innovative he was. And he just like, he was doing, I remember when they were doing bill pay before there was even an online app or any online, anything. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. they were writing, they were cutting checks in the basement of the credit union to pay people's bills. I I mean, I think back on that and I'm like, wow, he was so far ahead of his time. And so just always pushing hard to be innovative. He was amazing at that. So those are kind of the ones that come to the top of my head. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of, you've been surrounded by a lot of great people um, who've supported you along the way. And that's fantastic. 
We should all yeah, be so I lucky. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the key. That's the key to being successful is who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you don't have to take advice from everybody, but, right. you know, it's good to get good to get bounce ideas off of people. And, and especially when you become CEO, I was told by a board member when I became CEO, this is going to be lonely. I was like, oh, are you kidding? It's going to be fine. <laughs> these people, I've worked with these people for, you know, 22 years. Right. I'm going to be fine. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, there's things that I can't really have discussions with, mm-hmm. you know, my VP about or a director about or my executive assistant, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But then you have to seek out, you know, those other support systems. And that's a skill in and of itself. Oh, yeah, because you have to be brave. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and that's been something that I'm, su- I have, I have a really great friend now that is on the East coast over there in Virginia, who he and I have pretty much monthly calls. I got a text from him last night. Oh my gosh, numbers aren't looking great. How are you doing? Let's, mm-hmm. let's have a call, you know, and he's mm-hmm. the CEO over there and just, you know, we just connected. Uh, I think we actually connected through LinkedIn mm-hmm. and just created this, um, amazing friendship that also is a mentorship and you know, someone I can lean on. So that's great. Yeah. Now you've touched a little bit on, you know, the challenges of, um, leaning in and, and being bold at, you know, a credit union of your size. And, you know, I want to hear a little more about some of the unique obstacles that you face as a female CEO, you know, given the size of your credit union. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure that this is going to be unique to being a female. I think this is unique to just credit unions that are smaller and, and define small. I don't know. Under 500 million is kind of my, my cutoff point. Sure. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. wrong. Um, so I think the challenge that we are faced with really um, stems from our, our, our vendor relationships. And we are really doing a deep dive into those contracts and expenses right now we have to have them. We have to have these vendor relationships in order to offer the products and services, usually services that being online banking, the faster payment network, you know, things that um, really do push your, your institution into the forefront of being, you can be competitive. Mm-hmm. Cause if I don't have that, and I don't compete at all. I well, mean, those are just the right. yeah. table stakes. Yeah. And how do you, how do you so, get younger consumers to join the credit union? That's, that's the big challenge. If you don't have those convenient, you know, digital services. You have to. And so mm-hmm. those, you know, it can't take, it can't take even three minutes to open a new membership. You have to be able to be competitive with the fintechs, you know? And so that expense of having to partner and not having any concession from these vendors on our size is super frustrating. And I, I had another CEO who just merged with a smaller credit union about actually our asset size. And the thing he said that stood out the most to him was when he was going through their contracts and he and their multi-billion dollar um, credit union, he said they were paying the same amount for their core that we were paying. That is not sustainable. And as an industry, I think we have to start pushing back because small credit unions need to survive. Mm-hmm. I think our legislators appreciate the fact that, you know, we, we are here and we are doing the work. And um, I think it's important that we continue to keep 
small credit unions at the forefront of um, the industry in, in beating the drum of what we do in our communities. And if we're all just multi, multi-billion dollar um, credit unions, I, I just don't know that we can sustain that. We have a better voice with more of us having that voice and standing up. And that's one of the things I will say as a female CEO, um, I notice a lot of my um, my peers in that area um, are not standing up legislatively and reaching out and participating and getting engaged with the legislative process. There's some that do it extremely well, but I, I would love to see more of us getting out there and getting involved in um, the advocacy roles and, and, and finding our voice. It's hard, but finding our voice when we want to talk to our legislators and, and understanding why it's important that we survive. Mm-hmm. So that's my soapbox, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be just it, right? Is is having the the courage, being you know brave enough to be bold and to speak up and to advocate, you know, for yourself and your institution um, when you feel like you're not, you know, at the big kids' table when you know you feel right. like you're already. Um, you're already disadvantaged in in a lot exactly. of respects, and and lawmakers and regulators alike, I think, are starting to recognize more that smaller, you know, community institutions, especially, have this, you know, unequal bargaining power when it comes to working with third parties and vendors, and that something has to change. Nothing has changed yet, but hopefully, we're headed yeah. down the right path. Um, and I think, you know hearing from leaders like you can, can help in that respect. Yeah. And again, that's the, that comes back to really what is happening in your shop? Um, and, and I like to tell people, this is affecting my community. It's not just affecting our institution. It's affecting our community because they want choice and they have a lot here, but they don't want just big choice in, you know, the Bank of America world, but they want a lot of other options available to them. And I think that's, that's proven out in the fact that we are surviving in a very crowded market, right? And so I think that's, it's just really important that um, our legislators understand that 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 community choice is vital um, to continuing to have strong financial services available to our community. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of consumers, including, you know, Gen Z and and millennials, you know, want that connection with their financial institution. They don't just want to be another number, um, you know, just another account. They they want to know that the people behind the scenes um, at the institution actually cares about them and knows who they are. And you know, the people at the branch understand their their family and their situation. And there's a lot to love about that kind of institution. So credit unions are, um, you know, well positioned to succeed in this environment, but, um, you know, have to be willing to, to advocate, to, um, you know, communicate with, with NAFCU and and other associations to, uh, you know, make, make changes in in Washington, DC and, um, you know, at the state level to, to get the recognition and flexibility that they deserve. Yeah, that it's, that is so well said, and 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 I I will give uh, Dan Berger a ton of credit in the fact that I have had many conversations with him in the fact that 
you know, here's my challenges and having just someone that listens from an association level that, that then can say, okay, what can we do differently? And also guide me to how to, how to do things differently right. um, and who to talk to and those kinds of, that is so well said, because if you're not involved, you're, you're not going to be heard. And you'll just wallow in this frustration mm-hmm. of no one listens to the smaller credit unions. We'll stand up and let's talk about it. Yes. What a great message. So <laughs> any, any advice that you may offer to a you know, woman in the credit union industry, you know, looking to advance her career uh, to the C-suite level potentially someday. So, you know, what, what advice do you have for, for that woman out there? I, I give this advice to every employee uh, when they first start. And that advice is say yes as often as you can to opportunities, whether that be a new task to learn, whether that be a new opportunity to lead in, you know, we have an employee committee. Can you, can you, the fun committee is what we call it. Can you volunteer to lead the fun committee? Can you like find ways to say yes? You don't have to have a leadership title to have a leadership role and get involved in the community. Um, Reach out to other credit union peers that, you know, if, if you're a teller, communicate and talk with other tellers when you go to credit union for kids, fundraising events, you know, find opportunities to say yes to volunteer opportunities, find ways to say yes to opportunities to lead um, within the credit union's four walls. I, I swear, Anne, I just kept asking for more and, and understanding, okay, how can I take this on? How can I learn this? So, and that's one of the things I, why I give Susan so much credit is she just kept saying, okay, if you want to do that, oh yeah, I want to learn about compliance. I want to learn vendor management. Can I write our exec, uh, you know, our enterprise risk management policy? She's like, you, you're HR and marketing. Why are you asking for this? And I'm like, because I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I want to know more and do more. And it, it just ask for more and be willing to take it on. It's my best advice. I think that's great advice. Any other you know, closing remarks for our uh, viewers and listeners today? Gosh, and I, you know, the only thing I can say is thank you. Thank you to an industry that has embraced me for 28 years and lifted me up and given me these opportunities. Um, I love the credit union industry. I think we're doing amazing things. Um, so many amazing leaders out there that um, make a difference in their community every day. And that's what we're here to do. So thank you for everything. I'm just so grateful to have had this opportunity to be on with you. The award I was given all of it just feels like surreal to me sometimes. Well, thank you. And congratulations again on your award. Very well-deserved. This has been a great conversation. I've certainly learned a lot. And I know that our listeners and viewers have likewise learned a lot as well. So thanks again, Charlotte. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode about female leadership with Charlotte Nemec. If you enjoy watching or listening to The Cup, please hit the subscribe button, uh, turn on your post notifications to get alerts about new episodes, and please let us know what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. We always love hearing from you. Uh, So thanks again to our viewers and to Charlotte. Until next time.